You are listening to the SHL Talent Talks podcast, featuring conversations with experts on talent topics that help organizations win in today's dynamic business environment. Welcome to SHL Talent Talks. Uh, My name is Edgar Zapata, and I'd like to introduce you to today's conversation, which is going to be diversity recruiting for tech, specifically for women. And today I'm really proud to be joined today with my uh, Megan Gill, who is coming from Xena, and I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, Edgar. Um, yeah, so my name is Megan. I am the head of recruitment at Xena. Um, Xena is a newly formed recruitment agency based in Berlin, looking at closing the gender gap in tech. And we're doing that via headhunting, via sort of boutique DE&I recruitment, and also um, committing a portion of each of our profits into STEM initiatives to get more girls into tech. Great. Thanks so much, Megan. And just a little bit about myself. So my name is Edgar Zapata, and I have been working at SHL for over four years. I work specifically in our tech hiring solution suite. So really excited to be sharing today um, some of those conversation pieces and hearing a little bit more about uh, Megan's perspective on tech hiring for for women and diversity in general. So Megan, maybe a, a good starting point for today's conversation is really um, where did how did Xena come about? Um, so Xena is basically a response to some frustration that we had as a recruitment agency and as recruiters and then myself as a woman on the peripheries of tech. Um, so Xena is born out of a recruitment agency based in Amsterdam and Berlin called Orange Quarter. And how agency recruitment works, it's all about speed, it's all about delivery, and it's all about responding to clients and what they're looking for um, very fast and very quickly. And what would happen to us a lot is when we would be doing our business development, um, clients would say to us, or potential clients, like, okay, could you please find us, um, or we'll work with you if you find us a lead SRE. Um, and we'll work with you if you find us a female DevOps engineer or female data engineer or whatever. So what we would do is go down the recruitment rabbit hole, try and find these new shiny CVs and people to introduce to the client to get to work with them. Nine times out of 10, they wouldn't wait for the time that it would take to find these candidates and their rarities, but also even more, if we sent the candidates to them clients, we were finding that they were having negative experiences um, or else the role would just be filled again by another guy who looked like the rest of the guys on the team or got on better with the team. Um, So we looked at this problem a lot and we were like, okay, we need to do something around women in tech and we need to sort of offer something new as a business, but how do we do it? And one option was just doing recruitment services looking for women, but we still felt it wasn't really solving a problem in the world. We're a recruitment agency, of course, we do work on profit, but we're all very good people that work in the business. So I think we were looking for something a little bit more mission driven. And we had the team of Xena um, within the business for about two years before we really went ham and decided to form it as a separate business. And 
what Cena now has grown to be is looking at this issue about finding women, right? Women historically don't apply for the same amount of jobs as men. They're a little bit more hesitant around where they apply for and they're very sought after on the market. So we have a dedicated team now of recruiting, finding, managing and headhunting women specifically. And then on the flip, in order to sort of commit and close that gender gap in tech, we are donating a portion of each of our recruitment fees is going directly into charities that are really now looking at this problem of where girls and boys sort of taper off into gender roles at young ages. So around the ages of seven till 11, that's really when you see the split and when people really start to look at gender and jobs and all these definitions. So what we're trying to do is commit to funding and running different programs with these charity partners and really looking at nurturing the next generation of people in tech so that it will look a little bit different to what we have now. And then on the flip, of course, along with the headhunting, really now working with committed clients across Berlin and Amsterdam and Europe in general who have sort of known to be inclusive cultures who are really making some commitments around diversity and really helping them and matching them with the women and the leaders in this field. So that's kind of where it came from and um, that's the whole mission and vision really of Xena. Wow, I really, I really love it. I love the thoughtfulness, the multi-pronged approach that you you all are taking is just it's it's mind blowing, and I just I'm really excited about this conversation, and and genuinely really mean that. And as you talk about even you know when when you talk talk about that piece about that negative candidate experience, I know that a lot of the just general research out there that it's it's really critical that you know that you have a positive candidate experience through that throughout the entire recruitment um, life cycle. When you talk about this negative experience, what kind of um, information or, or feedback was being uh, provided by those women candidates that you were? You know, passing off or whether it be that DevOps role or whatever tech role, mm-hmm. what kind of information was being provided back, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, I think like for me, there's obviously limited information and things I can get because a lot of it is confidential, but I can really boil it down to a feeling um, and a generalization that I hear as a recruiter and as someone, my job is often as an agency recruiter, people complain to me a lot and they tell mm-hmm. you a lot of the bad things and you you just get a lot of this image about different companies and experiences. And I think one of the key things that I have noted that women are experiencing is they are getting interviewed by men all time, every day, a big panel of men constantly and for a lot of them even though they're used to working in rooms that are largely male dominated um a lot of them very like they don't feel the connection to their interviewers and there is usually this moment within the interview where there's a lack of understanding of one another and a lot of them note their gender to be that lack of understanding i think women we're naturally a little bit more empathetic we ask a lot of questions we really want to really understand things but for the men in the communication it's a little bit like 
I don't want to say yes and no answers, but there's a little bit more of a directness um, in terms mm. of the communication. And sometimes I feel that when I get feedback from candidates, they just don't feel heard. Um, they don't feel like they're um, recognized. And a lot of women don't really promote themselves in the same way men do within these interviews as well. So then they get quite negative feedback that they lack confidence and that doesn't really align with who they believe and who they are. And there's just this disconnect, I think, that they feel um, within that. And there seems to be this lack of communication issue, I think, um, is mm -hmm. what I would say it is that they're feeling that's providing these bad and negative experiences. That's a, you know, great information to know. I mean, obviously, you know, my, you know, I have limited experience. Uh, you know, I'm a, a person of color. Um, you know, I identify as gay, but um, I think it's always really important to hear these other perspectives and these other yeah. voices, right? I, I, I think as a, just a human instinct, my goal is to understand what other people are experiencing and just that additional information that you provided. I'm really humbled to get a better understanding of, of that kind of broad overview that there's a disconnect and that, um, you know, that there's maybe some hi historical context of from that seven to 11 age split that you talked about, that it kind of, it starts forming at that early age. And if there's listeners on this podcast who are maybe slightly uncomfortable because this is a topic that probably isn't discussed in, in its full reality, this is an opportunity to, instead of turning down the volume, turning it up and really truly paying attention to this because this is how we learn from one another. And I just really appreciate that information that in the context that you have truly provided. So when you think about the um, some of those experiences that these you know um, candidates have mentioned to you, they've been completely honest. And I'm kind of then think turning it on around your mission driven portion about uh, finding women and your I'm looking at your tagline of we're building a world where technology is as diverse as its users. I don't know what your experience is with this, but I know that, for example, you know, customers are of all shapes and sizes of all backgrounds. And it's critical that you have people that that look like all those different backgrounds as part of that, you know, uh, organization, because if you lack in that area, then some of your, some of potentially some of the even uh, technology that you put out there may be geared then towards, you know, men or white men or white straight men, right? So for example, I read an article where they talked about like the virtual reality headsets that they were designed by this team, like initially were being designed by, by men and they wouldn't, they couldn't, they didn't fit women properly. So they went to market and they were lacking in that. So have you been hearing for from like organizations that are committed to to driving diversity and women in technology? What's kind of their, you know, what's their driving force? Yeah, I mean, that's such a good point. So I think like if your team doesn't really look like what you see in the streets, there's probably a bit of a problem because it means you're really only hiring one sort of group, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the business case is like pretty much settled on diversity. I mean, everybody quotes this McKinsey report that talks about it and how much better it is for your business and businesses that are with more diverse teams are more profitable. So 
I think right now the majority of leaders, co-founders and people who are starting businesses in tech, they're, they're aware that if we want to do better, better business, we need to have multiple perspectives building the products and that really needs to happen. And for us, I would sort of split the group into two in terms of what I hear and the journeys that companies are at. So the first group that we work with are a little bit more the the companies that are a little bit more not stable but have a longer proven track record. They're a bit older. They're maybe kicking off like 10, 15, 20 years old at this stage and they weren't starting 20 years ago looking at diversity. It just wasn't spoken about like it is right now. So they're backtracking at the moment. And now we see them looking internally at their structures. They have the product, the product works. It's proven market fit, but they can't keep staff. And it does no longer look good enough because we can all see LinkedIn. We all have our pictures on our websites and now businesses are being hyper aware of this. So I have this group that comes to us at some stage and be like, okay, we need to fix this and we need to start. We know it's for business, but now it's also for employer branding as well. And now it's also for keeping tech staff, which man, woman or child, we know is really hard to keep nowadays. Doesn't really matter who you are. So that's the first business case I'm seeing. Then the second group um, I see are these startups that are really starting now with like either young or old founders who again know the business case for diversity, but also who really care about having multiple perspectives in the room. I'm having a lot more different conversations with, for the most part, they are men um, who just don't want to work in a room full of men anymore. They want other people in the room and they want the diversity of thought and they want the better business, but they also care about like inclusive culture building. Um, and to put it into example, I mean, I work with a client here in Berlin and they're a very well-renowned business. And the CTO said to me back in December when they just started team building, he was like, I want to build a team where like every single type of person on this planet exists, right? He was like, I'm talking diversity in every single angle, not just women, like all of this here. He was like, I want us to be known to have an inclusive culture because I want people to stay because they feel safe. And then he said, and also it's good for business, but that is priority A. And so I'm seeing these other startups really caring now a little bit more about the mission and the inclusive culture, as well as the business case. Wow, that's like, that's extremely promising, especially the, you know, we broke it down to those two different areas. I mean, both are promising, but that second angle that you just mentioned mm -hmm. is, 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 is so promising. Even the fact that that individual mentioned that they want people to feel safe is priority number one and yeah. that business profits is number two. I also, you know, it, there's a thought that if you put those those priorities at, at top of mind, right? So the diversity, making people feel safe, having a culture of inclusivity, those other things will will come and will follow yeah. suit. And I think there's like an authenticity piece about being human, right? I think this whole pandemic uh, experience that we've all gone through globally 
has given this thought of like, we can, I feel, at least for myself, I feel like I can be a lot more real about how my day is going about just the reality of like, you know, where's, uh, you know, diversity at my organization. And, and I can tell you that, uh, you know, historically, at least again, this is not necessarily, uh, the necessarily from completely from the, from a female perspective, but I can tell you my experience as a person of color, who's gay, who's first generation, proud to come from parents that are uh, immigrants from Peru who cleaned homes for a living. And I'm really proud to say that I've seen some changes at sales organizations because in the past, I've worked at other sales organizations where they felt like it, you had to, to look or be a certain way. And that the way managers used to connect in the past and still, you know, I challenge managers that uh, to, to, to find other areas that are going to be of interest. Like, I don't necessarily always want to be asked about, you know, uh, or talk about like golf, like golfing or like what's the golfing trip. And <laughs> while that is still interesting, I mean, I think yeah. there's an interest level on that. There's still an aspect that I think needs to be challenged. And I'm going to even go a little bit a step further. When we think about golfing, we look at some of the historic historical pieces back in the day, these golf, these golfing um, special memberships and clubs were not available to to people of color or to mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. And so there's even like a historical context to that. And we have to push the, I feel like part of my duty and trying to be an ally to my female colleagues is pushing that envelope and challenging status quo. And I love the fact that you've, you brought up these scenarios where people are starting to really become a hyper aware of the fact that they can't hide, right? So it's all on LinkedIn. You can also mm -hmm. look on Glassdoor. All this information now is becoming very public and people are aware of this. And once uh, brands get known for maybe some issues, it could really create some, some, some problems down the road. So when you think about these two different areas that, you know, the, the, the first area that's a little bit more of a mature business, but they're still wanting to, to continue that journey. Then you've got that second, um, which is going to be the startups. And there's a little bit more of a, uh, it seems like they're a little bit, a few steps ahead, it seems like. Mm -hmm. So when you think of those two different scenarios, um, like how do you, how do you see like Xena being a big help to these organizations in that process? I mean, obviously there's a conversation piece, but how are you teaming up with these organizations to um, help them effectively uh, be part of that, you know, diversity growth? Yeah. I mean, in essence for us, we are recruitment consultants and it's always going to be our job to advise on the market, best practices, um, how to attract and to a degree retain talent. As as consultants, we are obviously not in part of the culture, so sometimes it's very difficult um, to be able to verify like if the culture is inclusive or not, and like whether or not we are very, I wouldn't say not if we're not confident sending candidates there, but it's we know things to a certain degree, right? And for us, what we really do is I will sit with these potential clients and it's sort of a different sales cycle I've noticed with Sina like it's usually three four meetings to really identify what the key issues are with hiring and specifically with retaining talent 
a lot of companies still aren't really set up with the data around this and particularly if you're a new startup then you definitely don't have it so it's really speaking to people about their experiences and about what they're looking for and what their goals are around diversity with that then what we look at is you have the whole issue around speed to hire versus diversity priority and this is something that you're always going to hear okay well we've just got 20 million in funding we need to hire 20 engineers i want a 50 50 split like how are we going to do that and the reality is there that i tell a lot of clients is women are typically and again i'm generalizing a lot here i know mm -hmm. there's exceptions everywhere but Typically, they spend a little bit longer thinking about whether to apply. They spend a little bit longer about where they're going to apply. A lot of my candidates right now, they're in the age range of about 28 to 38. So a lot of them are having kids. Um, a lot of them are on maternity leave and a lot of them are thinking about their next move. And we have a lot of this here to go at. So my whole thing to our clients is if you want speed, we're probably not for you you know mm. but if you want commitment and if you want your candidate to have a really good headhunted experience um and you're going to look at certain roles that you can wait some time in that you want to see a diverse pipeline coming through or else let's say if you've got these evergreen roles like front end back end that you're always going to be higher on hiring in um then that's usually where we come in as sort of a value-added service and we can help you the most um, we're not there yet, but we're also going to be building out the function then around how are you writing your job descriptions? How are you interviewing your female candidates or your gender diverse candidates? Um, and what is their experience at that part of their journey with your company? And this is something we will eventually go beyond. But for now, it's really given that headhunted and good candidate experience for these women who are few and far between that may never apply for your job again if they have a bad experience once. Wow, yeah, and I'm, I really appreciate you. I, I just, I'm so excited for Xena. I just, I, I love, I generally really truly love how much you know your brand and that you, even you mentioned it as part of the conversation, you talked about how you are willing to say, you know, if you're looking for, if all you're focused on is speed, we may not be the right partner for you. But if you're looking to make that true and authentic commitment to women in tech or diversity in tech, then we are the right organization for you because we can help you in that process and to think outside the box, right? Yeah. And so I just, I appreciate that because I think that a lot of times, sometimes organizations will you know, they try to make themselves flexible to all these different areas and then they're not doing the one, the mission statement or the one thing that they're intended to do to do it right. And it's to me, it sounds like what you're doing is, you know what your mission statement is, you're, you guys are sticking with it and you are truly being helpful to organizations that are truly making that commitment about uh, making some actual changes. And so yeah. I really like that. And on a little bit of a lighter note, but I also appreciate the name Xena. So of course, I, I'm gonna give, the, I'm gonna give this the, yes. you know, with, with, with Pride Month coming up in June and it being, uh, you know, I'm, I'm someone from the LGBT plus uh, area, but Xena historic, you know, Xena Warrior Princess, mm -hmm. Princess was a TV show and 
strong female lead also a very again this is a generalization not all you know lesbians are you know not all women in that lgbt plus area were you know had crushes on xena but there definitely (laughs) was a very big uh lesbian following among xena so i love that um and it's just really really cool just given the timing of everything right so the fact that diversity is top of mind for a lot of these organizations women in tech should be top of mind and we should continue pushing that envelope. Mm-hmm. So when, um, something you talked about early, early on in the process that I really kind of gravitated towards, and I think this is a, a really big deal because you're really put like the fact that you're putting part of your profit back into something that again is you're making that commitment again. And I love this this fact because a lot of times I hear organizations that they're big on talking about like, oh yeah, diversity is really important to us. Like they like that they like the PR spin of it right Mm -hmm. in the piece and saying that but then let's get down to actual action items and again this commitment that Zena is 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 saying and you're already committing that part of your profits are going to go back to these different organizations that are truly making again these commitments from an early age or doing things to attract you know women to go into science and technology or diversity um, tell me a little bit more about those partnerships and kind of, you know, uh, like how, how that's going and, and like what's how did you all uh, narrow down those organizations, I suppose? Yeah, this is the, this is the really fun part of Xena, I think. And this is um, this is certainly something that helps me get out of bed a bit earlier um, in the morning um, because it's so mission driven and it's something that we really, really stand by. Um, and it's something that we have made a commitment to be very transparent about on our website as well. So um, we donate 12.5% of each of our fees goes back into these grassroots initiatives. Um, for us, we were really, really looking for organizations that were looking at getting girls into STEM subjects. And the whole idea here is we are very like i'm a pure idealist right and Mm -hmm. like i want to see can we actually have an impact on changing the cultural shift around men and women boys and girls entering the tech workspace and for that these things need to happen at a younger age so i have been like scouring the internet we have been talking to people that we know and just trying to boil down organizations that are also really in line with this mission. Um, We obviously have the offices in Amsterdam and Berlin. So we kind of said, okay, initially let's, you know, charity starts locally. Um, So let's look at organizations within them areas. So we're partnered with one um, charity organization in the Netherlands called VH2O. And they specifically look at getting marginalized girls into tech. And they look at the sort of curriculum um, in the Netherlands. Um, They have a governmental partnership and some policy around this as well. And they do a lot of different um, initiatives where they are really looking down at breaking these both social and gender barriers around this topic. Um, the second organization is a German organization called You Contact, and we're working with them specifically. They do a lot of different events around like mentorship and getting kids into STEM, but even they realized they could do more work around getting girls in that area. 
So we're actually working specifically with them on different events um, to basically attract more girls and to get more girls into some of their initiatives as well. Um, that's sort of grown then into a whole other thing where we want to do something around mentorship, but we don't really want to do what everybody else is doing as well. So we wanted to see like, how can we do this a little bit differently? We're very action driven as well. So um, like we have a business that we're partnered with from a recruitment standpoint in Amsterdam and they're now looking at how can they use their space and their women engineers are going to mentor some of the people coming via VHDO. So the three of us are now going to work in collaboration on something and then really just doing different boutique again services around this whole topic. Um, and so far, we've not even launched yet, but we've managed to raise over 10 grand from Q1 alone um, and sales. And then we'll use that via the different programs and pricings there. Um, and we'll be super transparent with that too. And we'll be sending our clients receipts on that and just sort of like taking them on our journey as well as we go in the whole mission together. So that's that whole part of the business. It's super exciting. We're yet to do any of the events, but so far um, we've started some really strong partnerships and I'm really looking forward to see where that goes. That's incredible. I mean, it's it's 12.5%. I literally wrote down with three, you know, with multiple exclamation marks because yeah. that's the action piece, right? It's, it's, it's yeah. great. You know, we can talk on this podcast and maybe, you know, the whole point is we, you know, from myself, like, challenging my my organization that i work with is like you know it's great to do the talk but let's take some action like are, you know are they investing in mm. in you know like mentorship programs are they investing some some you know is there an organization that they can that we can partner can i you know can i challenge my leadership team to uh partner with organizations that are are driven on those pieces of like trying to get marginalized girls into like, uh, you know, the tech industry or, or uh, people of color, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And I love that challenge. And so I, I think that you guys are, I feel like you're really turning the, the page to something new. And I think the fact, just even having this podcast will hopefully challenge some of these organizations yeah. or people that are, that are listening to this to maybe think outside the box and mimic something similar that Xena is doing, right? Maybe not the exact business model, but at least the pieces of like, of trying to do it from like, from like earlier stages in the process and like, how can one be an ally, right? All these different pieces. So I'm just really, really extremely excited about your guys's launch. I'm excited about the work that you're doing. And if there's one thing that you could, you know, I, I, there's so many, I guess there's so many different angles you could go, but there's one takeaway for like the listener that's still on here and has turned up the volume. What would that be? What would be the big, what was kind of your big takeaway? Yeah. Would you say? I'm going to cheat and say two. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, don't come out to me. No. Um, I yes. think two key things that people can really take away if they're either starting this journey, if they're in this journey, it doesn't really matter what stage they're at two key words here is like action and transparency and I think this is one thing that the whole DE&I community is trying to push a lot with businesses it really at this stage don't be so fearful about not being good at this right 
people are fickle, we're difficult, everybody has a different opinion, it's tough to get this right and no one company is doing it perfectly. And I think as soon as you look into that, you're transparent about your problems, then you look at how you can action some of them problems, whether it's in like a small step-by-step basis, whether it's seeking advice, whether it's doing different initiatives, investing in it, it really just depends on the personal circumstance. But I think if you're really committed, stop talking about it and instead start talking to people about it and then start doing something about it. Love it. I, I think that's ama- <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And I love this action and transparency piece. And I guess, you know, for me, like in, in a normal, po- in a lot of these podcasts, <laughs> you know, thank you so much for, do- for having this. Like, I feel like you showed up so authentically and I'm really appreciative of it. And in, in a lot of my past podcasts that I've hosted, you know, I've done where I say, you know, go to shl.com tech hiring, whatever it may be. <laughs> but really, I guess my, my big takeaway here is you know, for me is like, get uncomfortable, right? Like have these, have these authentic conversations at organizations within leadership. Like to me, this has motivated me to reach out to a a senior leader at my organization and ask what are, what, what action items are we doing to change the net, to change the actual like outcomes, right? So that I'm just really appreciative of, of this conversation and the time that you put and all the work that Zena is doing. I'm excited to hear about Uh, what comes of it. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to the SHL Talent Talks podcast. To learn more about our work, helping organizations attract and select candidates and identify and grow leaders, please visit shl.com. 